welcome to Inclusive Occupations, sharing stories of not just being invited to the party, but dancing. I'm your host, Savita Sundar. I'm a school-based occupational therapist. This podcast is a space for OTs and others who work with children and youth in education to be informed, inspired, and empowered to create an inclusive community for the students they serve. Hello, everyone. In our show today, I am beyond honored to have a highly distinguished and world-renowned thought leader, author, and change maker, Mr. Ferros VR. When I heard about Ferros, I was, of course, fascinated by all his achievements and his leadership, which I will be talking about in a little bit. But when I Googled him up, I came across one of his talks on YouTube, which literally moved me to tears. The reason was realizing here is someone truly manifesting what many of us who work in special ed dream of for the children we serve. Oh, what if many feroces actually rise up in this world to make a difference in the lives of our kiddos? The impact that Feroz has had on the world of autistic individuals and his efforts to create an inclusive society is what brings him here to this podcast. Feroz, welcome to Inclusive Occupations. Thank you for taking the time to make a difference in ways big and small. Thank you, Savita. Um, I'm delighted to be part of your podcast. Feroz is currently the head of SAP's Engineering Academy. He was the former vice president of globalization services at SAP. He is also the founder of India Inclusion Foundation, a world-class community-driven platform for creating awareness about disabilities and the need for inclusion in mainstream society. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and share some of his accomplishments because I think it is very important for everyone to know who we are, we will be listening to. In 2014, Ferroz was selected as India's top 40 under 40 by Economic Times and Spencer Stewart. He has authored several books, including the bestseller Gifted, which has been translated into six different languages. He piloted the Autism at Work project at SAP, which in four years evolved to become a Harvard case study. He is the person behind SAP's commitment to employ 1% of its workforce with autistic individuals. He has been bestowed with several awards and recognitions, including the Eagle Award by the Disability Rights Advocates, AUCD Award by Senator Tom Harkin, Lifetime Achievement Award for Global Philanthropy from TransPerfect, and the India Vision Award for Thought Leadership. Feroz, I am so thrilled to have you here with us. Thank you, Savita. The pleasure is entirely mine. Please don't embarrass me with such uh, such amazing introductions. <laughs> well, I just had to say the facts. So I really didn't have to do anything. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I always jokingly say, Savita, that when these introductions are read, mm -hmm. I wish my parents were listening because my mother would be... Uh, actually, my father will be very, very proud and my mother will actually believe everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has to, right? He doesn't have a choice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, anyway. Thank, Thank you. you. So, now you are an IT person. Uh, you, are a, you are a rising corporate star. 
And I'd love to hear directly from you about when, why, and how did your journey of advocacy for inclusion and disability awareness begin? Yeah, I think that's a, a fantastic question to start this discussion because it allows everybody to get a context of uh, how it all began. And so I'll have to go back in time a little bit, uh, Savita. So it all started in the year uh, 2010, so almost a decade ago, uh, when my son Vivan was diagnosed with autism. And he was, at that time, um, 18 months old. So in some ways, we were, we were very fortunate that we got a diagnosis very early on. Uh, and especially people working in special needs will understand that getting an early diagnosis gives you a head start into you know trying to support them in the best possible way um so you know for me i had no understanding of the disability space at all um i i, I didn't have anybody in the family who were uh, you know disabled and so f it was really uh, starting from zero uh, when my son's diagnosis happened. And like everybody else, I didn't even know what autism was. Um, in fact, I like like most people do, I went first to Dr. Google and, <laughs> and Google what is autism, right? That's mm -hmm. where my education about autism started. And it's been now almost uh, a decade and I'm still learning uh, about, about the space, about inclusion, about how the society deals with it. And in some ways, I've been very fortunate that I've be I've traveled around the world, so I have had access to the various practices about disability and inclusion around the world. And you know, while I started a lot of my work in India way back in 2010, um, you know, I moved to the U.S. six years back so that I can provide a better education you know, for my son, son Vivan. So I would say in many ways, uh, it was pretty, pretty accidental. I was kind of forced into the space uh, mm -hmm. because of my son's condition. Okay, so your son opened up this world to you. And um, absolutely. He, in fact, he, um, he, he showed you what you're calling is in life. Absolutely. In many ways, you know, my, my mentor told me when I was at the lowest moment in my life, and I was really going through a phase of you know, denial and anger and depression uh, after my, immediately after my son's diagnosis, I think mm -hmm. she said, uh, her name is Dr. Kiran Bedi. Uh, she said something <laughs> which was very, very profound. Um, she said, Firoz, most people spend their entire lifetime not knowing what their purpose is. You are incredibly fortunate the purpose found you. Um, so in, in many ways, um, I, even though I didn't realize it at that time, but uh, disability and inclusion has become my purpose and my mission for life. That's amazing. So tell us about the Autism at Work project that you started at SAP. Yeah, so while I was, you know, trying to understand autism primarily, you know, to understand my son's condition and to provide him with a better quality of life, uh, I did spend a lot of time talking to parents like me, who had, you know, autistic children um, and in different age groups. And after talking to almost all, you know, hundreds of parents, the thing that I realized, uh, which kept all, all parents awake at night, was this very simple question, what happens to their children after they are gone? 
this seems to be the only if if I, if I have to really boil it down to one thing it was this one big question and so i try to dig deeper into that question to understand the reason for that worry and you know it was nothing but the fact that many of the kids on the spectrum or the adults on the spectrum uh remain um more or less dependent on their parents or their caregivers throughout the life and so that is what uh, you know kind of bothered or worried all these parents who had special needs children and when i went you know i was trying to peel off the various layers of this fundamental question and you know you kind you kind of keep peeling off one layer after the other and you really understand what is the core issue and the core issue i realized was that at least in india the numbers were pretty staggering where the numbers are the same around the world more than 95% of the people on the spectrum uh, do not uh, get uh, meaningfully employed uh, less than 5% have any form of employment and so they mm-hmm. do not become part of the mainstream society uh, and that is really the core reason and and so i asked why are they not getting employed and that's when i really for me the aha moment came when i found that while many of the people on the spectrum are very gifted in their own ways but the mm-hmm. society doesn't recognize their abilities and the reason is because we live in a world which is mm-hmm. uh, which which really focuses on a few things and the first thing is you need to be a team player if you're working for any organization and the second is you need to be very good with respect to your communication right uh, every yeah. job interview in the world will look at these two fundamental skills your ability to work in team your ability to you know have uh, a meaningful communication with your team yeah. members and that's when i re- social skills and communication yeah. and and, and <laughs> so people on the autism spectrum uh, just are not you know many of them just cannot do these two things and so they literally remain not part of the mainstream uh, employment and that was the mm-hmm. thing that really i wanted to share and i was very fortunate again to meet a danish um, entrepreneur whose name is thorkel sonna who's who's uh, based in denmark and he had a son on the spectrum he had the same problem and he said we have to change it and so he started a organization called the specialist turn which basically means the specialist and he mm-hmm. said i'm going to hire people on the spectrum and you know proof that they can add value to businesses uh, and so you know i was so inspired by what he has done i took a flight along with my uh, chief of staff went to denmark studied what they did and i said you know what i think we can do this in india and so that started in many ways that was the roots of the autism at work program but the first thing i did was hire the three autistic employees uh at sap labs this was when i was still the managing director and mm-hmm. uh, you know we proved over a period of 18 months that the work of these people on the spectrum were as good if not better than my engineers so in many ways that was the start of the autism at work program i see okay so you went you took a trip to denmark yes and you observed the program and then you came back to india and you implemented yes. it and you 
and you proved success yes and of course you know yeah. we started small uh, as i said i i must confess uh-huh. when we did it we never thought this would end up becoming such a worldwide movement you know there were a lot of things <laughs> that happened after that and i say uh, you know we are all uh, we are all actors in a series of coincidences <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's the sowing the seed part, you know. You you took that one effort and then it's, you know, and the plant grew, right? And it produced more than you could imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you sowed the seed and that's what mattered at that point in time. Absolutely. And again, you know, the due credit has to be given to a lot of people in this journey because yes. there were a lot of volunteers, there were parent groups. And of course, SAP as a company, uh, we had the leadership will to make such a bold commitment no company since sap mm. or after that in the last 10 years has come back mm. with such a bold commitment to say we are going to hire 1% of our global workforce with people on the autism spectrum and this was when sap was 65000 people so we said we'll hire 650 people by the year 2020 which i think is probably the most landmark announcement ever made by your corporate for uh, for a community ever that is that is amazing and you sowed the seed for that in 2010 yeah. so yeah so now where does sap stand in their employment of uh, individuals have you met the target of 1% so yeah i think the way i see it is um, if i look at the numbers end of 2020 uh, savita we had hired 180 full-time employees in 20 different locations in 10 countries around the world we had also hired and provided opportunities to more than 180 to 190 people as part-time employees so they didn't become full-time employees but they are working with us in in different capacities so i would say we've mm-hmm. achieved probably 50% of the numbers mm-hmm. we committed but you know we also mm-hmm. obviously lost out the whole of 2020 and a lot of 2019 because because of the you know current pandemic and so on so it kind of slowed down uh, especially in 2020 but i think mm-hmm. um the bigger success of it for me is that because mm-hmm. of sap's commitment uh, there are hundreds of other companies who made a similar commitment to hiring neurodiverse people nobody said 1% but you know a lot of companies like mm-hmm. uh, jp morgan goldman sachs microsoft all of them in many ways have their own autism at work program so i think the ripple effect of what sap did is way mm-hmm. bigger than what we ourselves had committed uh, you know we were invited to the united nations uh, in 2016 um, and ban kin moon who was the then secretary general Uh, you know called other corporates to do similar commitments like sap so if i look at the larger effect of what sap did is that it had a massive ripple effect where autism at work actually has become a centerpiece for many many corporates and i'm very proud that other companies are probably doing more than what sap had even committed so in many ways uh, while sap did not achieve its 1% target uh i think mm-hmm. if you just look at the ripple effect uh it is mm-hmm. it is way more than what i'd ever imagined yeah yeah i i think so and it became a harvard case yeah. study and it just became such a a big phenomenon that every corporate wanted to study and invest in and it's just gone really far yes. i think yes yes it has 
the the dedication that the company um had yes. in the beginning so i am just curious to see are there professionals autism experts who are hired at mm-hmm. sap who help with the transition for 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 these adults um on the spectrum into the workforce or is it just coworkers who help them learn the job how do you work very good question in, in fact as i said the challenge that sap faced uh, savitha is that it is a global program so it's not run in india or us alone it's run in china argentina all parts of the world and you have to understand mm-hmm. that disability is so different in all parts of the world right and we realized that we don't we are not the experts in autism sap is a technology company we don't understand right. uh, that space as well as many others do so we have local partnership in every country so we tie up with a non profit uh, in that country for example in india we tied up with an organization mm-hmm. called enable india and they mm-hmm. work in the disability space they are probably one of the best non profits in that space we you know we worked with them so they help us both in selection as well as in assessing and as well as in being involved with the people on the spectrum throughout their careers at sap so they come and talk to them every month they have various sessions wow. and so on uh, but along with the non profit we of course have a volunteer group which which personally mm. takes care of the progression of the people on the spectrum okay so there is there is a bunch of altruistic individuals in the company who volunteer to be supports and mentors absolutely you know there are so one. many you know just the numbers are staggering savita 1% of the world's population are people on the spectrum so in a company of the size of sap you will always find people who have a personal connect yeah. with the cause you know either they have their kids uh-huh. on the mm-hmm. spectrum or siblings or friends and so you know finding mm-hmm. volunteers was actually never a problem we had more people than we wanted <laughs> to support support in this journey oh that is so good to hear that is really good to hear and in fact the the whole purpose of my podcast is is just to create these opportunities where it's not just the people on the spectrum who are benefiting from this but it's also those who are who are family members of people on the spectrum who who just see a purpose greater than themselves to add to the Absolutely. world Absolutely and you know what was interesting Savita we found that the teams that hired people on the autism spectrum we had data to substantiate okay. that had higher engagement and higher uh, fulfillment in the various surveys that we did uh, so people felt much more belonged people felt that they mm-hmm. had a purpose people felt that they were contributing uh, in ways uh, that that you know sometimes we were pretty surprised so i think uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times especially when you're working in the corporate world you are always looking for what is the business benefit right because we were very clear mm-hmm. from the beginning that the purpose of doing this is not charity it is not to just dole mm-hmm. out some you know goodwill messages to the external world it is not pr but the fact that there is a business benefit and the highlight for me in in probably the last 7 or 8 years since we started the autism program at sap was in 2019 when mm-hmm. every year at sap we have something called the founders award which is the highest award given to a team mm-hmm. uh, for innovation 
And in 2019, SAP made an exception and gave an award to an individual. And guess what? Mm. The individual was hired as part of the Autism at Work program in Argentina. Wow. And for, for me, wow. that was the happiest moment that while it took time, mm. it proved that mm-hmm. what started as a small volunteering effort in Bangalore had a ripple effect in Argentina mm. where you know, this person wouldn't have ever got a job, but not only did he get a job at SAP, he won probably the most prestigious award in SAP for innovation. Uh, and so that for me was a incredibly satisfying moment to see that we proved wow. that there is business benefit to doing this. Wow. So it wasn't, it wasn't just goodwill of people that gave them opportunities, but they actually, the, the individuals on the spectrum proved Absolutely. themselves. So, okay. So you founded the India Inclusion Foundation with the vision of creating an inclusive India with no one left behind. How do you see that happening in your lifetime? What are your plans? Um, So, you know, the the reason I started the India Inclusion Foundation was not to just focus on autism, but the entire disability community. Um, And and Mm -hmm. during my work, what I really found the reason why India hasn't made as much progress, especially in the disability space, as many other countries like US and UK, is because each of these disabilities are fighting their own battles, right? Um, So what I felt was if you are blind, you don't relate to a person on the autism spectrum or a person who has cerebral palsy, right? They assume these are different communities. Mm -hmm. And my realization mm-hmm. was the biggest enemy of the disability community is the disability community itself, right? Uh, they have a, oh, what I call as a okay. scarcity mindset, which means that my community will only be successful at the cost of somebody else because our pie is limited, right? Now, with that mindset, mm-hmm. you are not going to drive change, a large-scale change in communities. So my whole idea is we need to shift the narrative and really make people realize that mm-hmm. think from an abundance point of view, that there's enough for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. once you start thinking there's enough mm-hmm. for everyone, you really start collaborating with every other disability community. And there was no platform mm-hmm. which brought all these communities together. And that's why I built the India Inclusion Summit, where I said, you know, I want the person, uh, I want the communities working for autism with blind, with visual impairment, with cerebral palsy, with mental health, all of them to mm-hmm. come together and share their best practices and inspire each other and learn from each other. And that's the only way that societies mm-hmm. make progress. And, and that was the core idea of starting the India Inclusion Foundation. And, you know, the summit is a flagship event which happens uh, in November in Bangalore, but we do a lot of other things, including running fellowships for artists, writing for <clears throat> fellowship for entrepreneurs, uh, and so on and so forth. But the core idea, Savita here, is to get all the disabled communities together to work towards a common goal, mm-hmm. which is to lift the entire community and make them part of mainstream. That is so wonderful. Yeah, that's so wonderful. And then the larger the community, the closer they are to the mainstream in a way. And then a lot of people in the mainstream are going to blend in 
with this as people become aware of their own, you know, diversity, Absolutely. neurodiversity, I think. Yeah. So occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech therapists, and specialty teachers work extensively with individuals with disabilities. And I'm just curious to see if you have thought of mobilizing these people to play a, a role in India Inclusion yeah, Foundation. Yeah. Do they have... Yeah, a... very, very, very good question. Yeah. And I think very thoughtful question as well. Um, as of now, uh, a lot of the uh, work that we do at the foundation are done by volunteers from the tech industry um uh, however uh-huh. uh, you know we we include schools we include special ed teachers in fact we just launched something called the inclusion for youth because our realization uh-huh. was that if you really want to do drive change you have to focus on the youth and the schools uh, and so this year in 2020 mm-hmm. actually last year uh, we launched something called the Inclusion for Youth, where we drove awareness across 500 schools in India. Uh, and so that's where we started yeah. conversations with school headmasters and principals and so on, uh, so that we start spreading the idea of mm-hmm. inclusion and neurodiversity at schools already, which already mm-hmm. to a large extent happens in the US, but it doesn't really happen in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, just want to share some statistics for our listeners. So, in the United States, 14% of public school students receive special education services. The average cost of educating a special education student each year is $26,000 versus $9,000 for a general education student. That's three times more. However, the employment rate is 19.3%, and this includes individuals with disabilities across the spectrum from mild learning disabilities to profound disabilities. Youth arose in a matter of four years, brought about the possibility of employment of 1% of SAP's entire workforce, I should say, possibility of employment of a lot of people on the spectrum in the workforce globally. or for individuals on the spectrum, right? So these adults who otherwise would have spent most of their time playing video games and browsing the internet. This is, of course, inspiring. Now, many people want to make a difference and be supportive, but don't know how. So what thoughts do you have? You know, this is actually what I felt was the biggest challenge, Savita, that people are uh, good and well-intentioned. People want to make a difference. But most of the times they don't know where to start, right? And my ask has always been that start extremely small. Uh, you know, don't go out with a mission mm-hmm. that I have to change the world. I think you ha- it has to start with changing yourself, right? Uh, do, do a very mm-hmm. small mm-hmm. act where you can, you know, support a person with special needs, uh, you know, I'm sure if you have somebody in the in the family or friend circle, be more sensitive, try to understand, try to volunteer. I think every small step makes a big, big, big difference. And I'm a great believer that, you know, inclusive schools makes children sensitive about differently able kids at such a young age that in from a mindset point, these kids are already inclusive. It's the adults who are not. Right? Kids are super inclusive. And I want to kind of share a very simple example of what happened just a few days ago. I was actually 
had gone for a drive with Vivan and I had uh, I'd gone to a gas station to fill gas in my car and after I filled up gas I had to go very quickly to pay to the cashier of course Vivan was sitting in the car mm-hmm. and you know I, I obviously locked it and so on and when I came back, I found that Vivan was not in the car. It just took me two minutes to do it. And he had just opened, somehow managed to open the door. And he walked outside to, uh, to another place. And I found that there was this incredible young man who was, you know, absolutely comfortable talking to him, chatting him, holding his hands. And, you know, and then slowly walking with him and leaving him at, at the car. And, you know, I really, I was very nervous and profusely apologized for the inconvenience and I thanked him for, you know, being so nice to Vivan. And he said, Feroz, uh, no problem. I mean, I've grown up in an inclusive class. I know kids who are different. I understood. As soon as I saw him, I knew he was probably on the uh-huh. spectrum because he was not speaking. And he was just able to deal with uh-huh. it as if nothing happened, Right. How did that happen? Because he was aware, yes. because he was sensitive, because he grew up in an environment where he absolutely understood that people are different, and um, there was there was no panic mm-hmm. at all. It was like, yeah, this is this is normal, and that is where I saw the power mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of sensitizing, especially school children at an early age, because when they grow up, it becomes extremely normal for them, mm-hmm. right? And there can be no substitute yes. to, mm-hmm. you know, building schools that are inclusive because that's how we move the needle uh, in the society. Very, very true. Very, very true. And, and your experience just gives me goosebumps because, you know, this is every parent's fear. Okay. Out there, like, you were lucky that you found somebody who was, you know, aware. Yeah. What if it was a stranger and, and, could have you know things could have been different but yes yeah i think having that awareness and that knowledge as well as you know the values that we have to instill to our students today is quite important yeah so now you and your family are based off of california right so the laws in this country mandate education in the least restrictive environment meaning inclusion is the ideal that is aspired for this being said I want you to share your experience yeah. as a parent. I know you just shared one. Uh, in terms of his school life, um, yes, he's yes, attending yes. the public school system, correct? Yeah. And what do you have to say in praise of inclusion in the U.S.? And what are some so things I think, that can you know, Firstly, better? I'm incredibly grateful that uh, the services that we get, especially in California, and uh, we live in Cupertino, is, is just world-class. And um so i i really have to be mm-hmm. when i compare with literally no access to education he would have had if he was in india this is of course uh that's just amazing having said that there's a fundamental mm-hmm. challenge that education systems are large bureaucratic slow to change right um and that's that's how mm-hmm. it is because mm-hmm. as i said this is complex this is not easy and everybody has a point of view when it comes to education and so uh, the systems yeah. typically take almost a decade to catch up that's typically a thumb rule right mm-hmm. it takes you mm-hmm. 10 years to catch up with the latest studies and um you know technology changes that are happening and so on and so forth so many of the times the schools are playing catching mm-hmm. up with the rest of the world right 
Uh, and that I find uh, mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. challenging because because you have to you have to if you look at it holistically, it takes a lot of time to train teachers to get up to speed with the latest needs of kids. And by the time they are trained, you know it's already the next thing has come up, right? The next practice has come up. So I think uh, the education system by by default is very very slow, uh, even though the teachers I think are just world class. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. The second. I think, you know, when I was growing up, uh, Savita, we, we always had role models for teachers. If you asked a kid, what do you want to do when you want to grow up? Mm-hmm. I would say a lot of children told they want to be teachers. Right? Yeah. I now, <laughs> if you ask a child, what do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Well, they want to be a, you know engineer or a doctor or an astronaut or a lawyer. Not too many people say they want to be teachers, mm-hmm. which is very, very unfortunate. Because, you know, the success mm-hmm. of a society is only as good as the teachers are. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to very, put very the true. spotlight back on teachers yeah. again. They have to be paid well. And I think that's the sad part that we don't have the incentive systems to pay the teachers that they deserve. And I think every parent, especially in the COVID times, have realized that the real rock stars are the teachers. Because we all struggle every day with our homeschooling, right? And then I'm thinking, boy, how great. Mm-hmm. You know, how <laughs> these, these teachers are miracle workers. We're all, you know. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm sure all our listeners. No, I'm telling you because yes, I'm a parent. Yes. <laughs> I do homeschooling with my kid. I get frustrated. And I'm like, when the hell does the school reopen now, right? Mm-hmm. But, but it's a deep reflection that the society <laughs> has to do that we have to champion the teachers. Long-term success of a society is when teachers are, become the rock stars, when they are the role models, because then you have built the future of the whole society. Then the society is in safe hands because you've grounded them in good moral values. Right? So, you know, mm-hmm. I, as I said, I hats off yeah. to all the teachers who are listening in, all special ed teachers, uh, I really wish that the society does more um, to really show our appreciation and gratefulness for really, really path-breaking work that all of you are doing. Thank you. Yeah, on behalf of all the teachers listening, I want to thank you for your for your kind you. words and your advocacy for us. So... Um, so my final question for you, um, Feroz. So I listened yeah. to your interview with Alberto Sardinas, where you said that you would like to be remembered as the person who spent his life making an inclusive yeah. world where nobody's left behind. So if you were to leave us, therapists, teachers, and others who work with children with disabilities, with your final words of wisdom on what we can do now differently to create this world that you envision. You know, why I, there's a beautiful quote which, which has stuck with me because it helped me get through my difficult times. Um, and that is that, uh, you know, change, uh, you should accept what you cannot change, but change what you cannot accept. Um, and hmm. you accept what you cannot well, change and yes. change uh, what you, you know as a special needs as as as, uh, you know, as a parent of a special needs child we are often asking this question in our moments of weakness well why did this happen to me right 
why me why am i struggling and i'm sure many mm-hmm. people go through that moments in their own ways right whether it's teachers like why am i stuck up with this raw deal why am i not getting paid and why am i you know why are people not sensitive i think you all go through that phase and 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 my take is there are some things you can mm-hmm. change and some things you can't right so accept the things that you cannot change mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. change the things that you cannot accept Mm-hmm. very very wise very wise saying yeah if if only we take the efforts we complain quite a bit but we can put that energy into taking the effort to make the change absolutely, absolutely. i'm pretty basis. sure about that but i think what is important when you're trying to make large scale changes is to be incredibly patient you know we live in a world where we we expect mm-hmm. outcomes very quickly but you know change takes time um, so mm. you just have to have the patience to keep doing the right things over and over and over and over again um, and you know you don't realize it once you've done it for 10 mm. years 20 years 30 years then you realize oh no yeah the systems have changed right as i said having done the autism mm-hmm. at, being part mm-hmm. of the autism at work program for 10 years now and i'm like oh no yeah 10 years back if anybody had told me this is where we would have reached i would have said no chance right but changes happen <laughs> mm-hmm. so i think you yeah. have to be just you know move the needle one degree at a time slowly patiently with good intentions and i i really believe that purity of intentions is at the core of everything that drives change mm-hmm. right um uh, so once you have that change will very happen. true Thank you so much Feroz. This this means a lot personally to me to have you on the show and uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to gain a lot from your Thank you Savita. Insights. Thank you for Thank making you. me part of the wonderful conversation. I wish you and all the listeners all the best and let's hope that we build a much more inclusive society.